0: Again, head on over to freedadcourse.com, get your five-episode audio course to create more connection, create more friendships, and get back to living the life that you're trying to design.
1: All it is, is I've got to create a space where this man feels so safe and so loved and so nurtured that he can let down his guard a bit. And that was the beginning of getting him into his heart more so than anything else.
0: Dory one, this is Team Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, a husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome back to Military Veteran Dad, episode 76. It is finally June. With everything going on, it feels like June and summer was never going to come. Up here in Wisconsin, spring has definitely been on a few blue screens. We've gone back to some random snowfalls in May. We've gone back to random cold spells. We've gone back to my garden freezing. I just ended up replanting it this weekend. Man, June is finally here, and I am so excited to bring you this episode today because today... We are going to bring what I always love bringing to the podcast, the other side of the conversation. Today's conversation with Anne is going to be epic because it's going to touch into your heart because it's going to bring it from the other side. And if you were one of the military spouse listeners that I have on this podcast, this episode is going to give you some insights into a path that has already been traveled and what she would send back to herself as advice and different things that other military spouses can incorporate into their life right now to help them create that legendary marriage that we often talk about. Before we get started, I just want to drop a teaser that on Friday, I will be dropping the big takeaways of what 75 Hard has done for me and how it has changed my life. If you've been a fan of the podcast and listening for the last few months, you know that I've been on a journey of my mind, my body, and I will wrap it up on Saturday but Friday, I will share the big takeaways about what that has done for my life. So tune in to this week's Fatherhood Friday. So without further ado, let's get started with Anne yach and I will talk to you on the other side of the episode. Welcome to the podcast, Anne.
1: Hey, Ben. How are you? Thanks for having me.
0: I've never been better. I'm excited for this conversation because... A little backdrop for the listeners, Anne is a big reason why this podcast exists because out of all the ideas that I had floating around in my head, she helped me come up with the desired end state that helped me realize that being a dad was really what I wanted most. And this podcast aligned with that most. And that gave me the courage to run towards this podcast, which now over a year later, 71 episodes in, we have a great podcast. We have great listenership. And Anne was the very first person that gave me that nudge. So I appreciate you, Ann, and I welcome you to the show.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much. It was my complete honor. I just see so much greatness in you and I love what you're bringing to this community. So thank you for being you. This is fantastic.
0: I still remember that very first phone call on the way home on the interstate that I talked to you and I was and at the end of it, I was like, who is this woman that just kind of like was all excited, got me excited. And I was like, I've never felt like this before.
1: <laughs> well, I loved it too. I mean, I think of that call almost all the time because, you know, it's that one moment you get with somebody and if it's really powerful and you both have the right energy and you're excited about working with each other, just it skyrockets and it's a blast. So I love that memory too.
0: So go ahead and unpack a little bit about where your family, what makes you a military spouse and your story to where you are today, maybe a little bit.
1: Sure. Well, my story is a little bit different. I was um, a second wife as a military spouse and uh, I met my husband. Husband, when he was just back from getting injured uh, in Iraq, he was a Navy SEAL for SEAL Team Three. And um, when I met him, you know, I didn't know him as this big badass Navy SEAL. I basically picked him up in a bar and thought he was a consultant at the time, even though I was going to grad school at Georgetown and uh, getting my master's in international security. I just looked at him, I'm like, this guy's—he's got something going on. I got to figure out what it is. So picked him up at a bar. And for the next 10, 12 years, we just built businesses together and tried to impact as many lives as we could. And, um, you know, it all started with him being injured. And that's sort of how we met. So there's a lot of learning for me, Ben, a lot of learning that had to happen once uh, I got into that culture and into that family and that community. So
0: Maybe talk about how what take us back to the moment and about when you describe your family before you guys decided to go all in on adventure. Like, what was your family like? What was the feeling like? What were you seeking in your life that you now? Because for those that don't listen or that don't know, Ann and Larry, both are essentially nomads. As we were talking before this podcast recording, they have no physical mailing address that you can actually record with the IRS, probably where they call home. (laughs) And they move from place to place and let their souls kind of move them around the country and let, raise their two young kids. But that was not always the case. So I'd love to hear that backstory. It,
1: it was not. It was definitely not. Um, well, to be really upfront and unfiltered, which I know this community will appreciate, we about, oh gosh, probably three or four years ago, we were so miserable. We literally had been working like crazy. We had gotten disconnected from our kids. Um, Larry, because of, you know, some things that were going on with him health wise, you know, he felt like his, our children didn't even know him. And so, um, you know, for those in the community, you know, that PTSD is a real thing. And, you know, my husband and I have gone through a lot over the last 12 years. And we really got to the point where we were both miserable. And we told each other, listen, I'm miserable, you're miserable. We got to make a dramatic, drastic change in our Lives if we want to live the life that we've always wanted to live together. So we decided. Um, I think it was about four years ago that we were going to sell everything we owned. We were living on a big in a big beautiful house on Lake Minnetonka. We we're going to sell everything we owned. We were going to go after a sustained daily experience where we could every single day connect as a family, connect as a couple, uh, learn something great you know, do some personal growth and build a business, but the business no longer was going to be something that we gave everything to. So that was a pretty dramatic move, uh, movement for us. And to be really upfront with you, Ben, i got gotten to the point where I'm like, I just don't know if I can, I can do this anymore. I don't know if I can run three businesses, have two small kids under the age of three and not have the connection with my husband that I want. And he was in full agreement. So that's what sort of kicked everything off. And then you know, he and I looked at each other and we're like, Where's the one place we'd love to go just for the adventure of it? And we decided we were going to go to Park City because Larry loves to ski. I was just learning how to ski. I'd never skied before. The kids never skied. Like, let's just do it. So we literally sold everything and went, got an Airbnb in Park City and stayed here for a couple of months. And I finally learned to ski. So So
0: I always love when you talk to a spouse because for the most part, men are in the dark, troubleshooting, trying to figure it out with other men about what women really want.
1: Oh, Ben, I can tell you exactly what they want. And all the men who are listening will now know. (laughs) Oh, I love it.
0: What feeling were you craving the most in those, when those days maybe were before Larry really opened up and tapped into his inner self and stopped hiding from who he really was on the inside?
1: Yeah, I think for almost every woman I've ever spoken to, we all want this same thing. We all want that deep, vulnerable connection with our husband, because when the husband makes you feel safe, you can be your most beautiful, you can be your most vulnerable, you can be your most loving. But because women have had so many things happen to us over the years, you know, from different men, not necessarily our husbands, but just different people in our lives, you know, we really start putting those walls up. So having that deep emotional connection, uh, that's what I was craving. And I, I had literally a little hint of it in that one conversation before we decided to move everything. And that's what gave me the hope to stay. So
0: in the, you mentioned a strong word that we've talked about quite a bit in the last few months, the feminine side. Where do you see Larry stepping into like, or maybe rephrase the question. When you think of the feminine masculine, where do military dads get it wrong?
1: Sure. So, you know, here's the thing. Military dads might get it wrong in one area, but military women and military moms definitely get it wrong in a certain Area too, so I just want to be really clear and own. We have both listeners in the
0: podcast. Good, I okay, have like twenty percent listeners are women.
1: <laughs> Perfect. So, so I would say, as a woman, we tend to not own the fact that we have given up a lot of our femininity to get shit done. There is an epidemic of productivity for women in this country where we spend most of our time working like crazy to support the man in our life and we just, we keep ourselves so busy so that we don't have to connect because I think we're truly afraid that if we do put ourselves completely out there, he might not respond the way that we would like him to. I think that's where the women get it wrong. And I think for men, or at least that's where I for sure got it wrong many times. And then for the men, they're trying to look so strong and like they have it all together. And, you know, they're trying to hide that vulnerable piece of themselves that really is that, deep heart opening piece that if we feel it, like the sex goes up, the inner, you know, intimacy goes up, everything goes up. If a man is willing to say, drop from his head down into his heart and be like, listen, I'm afraid too. There are things I'm worried about. I want to share those things with you. I think the more men don't share what's actually on their mind in the moment that it's on their mind, the harder it is for us to feel safe around them if that makes sense.
0: I think that part that makes it what you said on there for the spouse and the the dad is that when you, when when a dad is deployed or TAD, wherever a dad, whenever he's disconnected from the family for a long period of time, the spouse has to take in all roles and they have to learn to do everything without them. They have to be the father for their sons. If they have any, they have to be the planner, to be the transportation and when a dad comes home, it, I think there's often a conflict in what the roles are because she learned to live life without you. She still needs you, but she learned to live without you. And you can come into a place where like, I'm just going to take back control. And that's not good because it's like having someone come into your office and just start doing things differently when you've gotten used to doing it a certain <laughs> way. And a lot of that clash is really where things go wrong and I've often talked about building a bridge of empathy between where she is at in her life at this point and where you're at and then trying to use that vulnerable piece to try to get back to me in the middle because that difference like you mentioned there like she's stepping into the masculine because that's what she needs to be especially and it's not even really about a to do culture it's that survival like she has to do everything to keep the family unit going but then there also is like the women trying to grow and to be powerful and to be strengthful within society that Also, you have to be, it's almost like tapping your masculine, but then you don't find a safe place because there's not a lot of like, even Facebook isn't a safe place for a woman to really feel a woman because there's a lot of women out there judging or Instagram. Like there's a lot of judgment that keeps a woman in the masculine to feel safe as well.
1: That's so true. And, you know, the one thing that I really realized as I was looking at my own situation was that, you know, every time Larry would come back into my life or the kids' lives, the one thing we didn't do enough of was plan. We didn't plan for what that was going to look like. We didn't talk about the roles and responsibilities and how they could shift. We didn't have those conversations early on. And after we decided to make this bold changeable move in our life, we both committed to the fact that we would not make any more changes or try to come back together without a lot of good planning. So that's really one of the massive changes we made. And And we started, you know, ironically using the tools that we've used for all the companies we've helped and supported on ourselves, finally, to be like, all right, this is not working because we did not plan. I don't know what role I'm supposed to play in this particular scenario. I don't know what role he wants to play. And what I was finding I was doing was just taking everything over because that was my go-to. That's what Mm. I had been doing for, you know, a set amount of time.
0: And it almost just seems, you get to that point where like everybody's been in that team where you just get the feeling it's easier to do it yourself. And I think that's often something a feeling that can play in, like just just get out of my way and I'll get it done. Don't worry about it. And that almost breeds resentment so and pushing. Exactly. You miss that connection. You miss the agreement. The opportunity just to talk to each other is is missed, which is something that it's not about the work. It's about making sure that you have that consistent communication throughout that process.
1: And I think we do it a little bit because we're afraid, right? We're afraid of what is the person coming back and be the same person? Are they? going to be forever changed? How are they going to interact with us? Do they still love us the same way? I mean, there's so much that goes on in a woman's head around how am I going to show up for this man? How is this man going to show up for me? We set so many expectations before we even talk about it, that that really can cause a lot of conflict. That's that's not as needed.
0: I had this idea a couple months ago that uh, an expectation is an unspoken verbal agreement. And an agreement is a spoken verbal agreement, something that you had to say out loud with words. And every time you almost say expectation, very rarely do I can honestly look back and say, that was something I agreed with on the other side. That was just an agreement that I made within my head. And it's those expectations that crash.
1: I think that's so true. And, you know, for most men too, like they have no idea what our expectations are because we've never sat down to talk about them. So I think that the big key, from at least my perspective, was communication has to change and the planning has to change those two aspects. And then even though this might sound very strange, what I tried to do with Larry is try to create this safe place in our home, like an actual location in our home, where when I see that he's disconnected or he's not in his heart and he's too in his head, I would literally walk over to him and say, hey, can I take you for an escape? Like, can I take you to an escape? And he just needed me to not create masculine, but to in a very beautiful feminine way, be like, I have created this lovely escape for the two of us where we can be connected. I noticed that you're, you're not where you want to be right now. Can I, can I take you there with me? And that became a really beautiful thing that we started doing because sometimes you're on such opposing sides of something that until you get to that beautiful place together, you just can't have the conversations you want to have.
0: So let's maybe pivot a little bit. What does it look like for your kids now that you are in this new life? What are some examples of showing how you and Larry show up in their life today?
1: So I think the biggest, you know, couple of things that we've noticed is we're big fans of life experience. So we'll take, you know, middle of the day in between calls, we'll take our hammock and we'll go outside, string up the hammock, and all of us as a family will pile into the hammock, and we'll just sing songs or play music or snuggle with each other, and it's one of the best things that we do. It's simple, but um, you know, going from a time in our lives where we just worked around the clock, constantly trying to provide to Just taking those little moments, you know, even if it's just, you know, the two of us are fooling around, playing with them, you know, getting them ready for bed and laughing and, you know, throwing, we have these big Nerf balls. So we just sort of throw around at each other, little things like that, right? So we're much more present. We change out of work mode into parent loving nurturing mode. And that's, that's been a really great shift.
0: What about control? Like, is that something military dads, veteran, active, still uh, suffer with? Because we seek control in the military. And then the part that really we miswire is that like, oftentimes the lack of control we have in our head, we seek externally from people around us. So is that something, I, I imagine that was something, Larry, being a Navy SEAL, like you train for perfection in the mission execution and parenting has very little perfection. It's about embracing the chaos and getting messy and making mistakes. So how has that looked like for you guys?
1: Well, I think, you know, we had a little bit of a edge up, I guess, because we had um, our kids leadership uh, and performance curriculum that we had worked on, you know, seven or eight years ago. So we had some incredible character education. And one of the things, Ben, I'm going to make sure that all the dads and moms who are listening here have I'll make sure you all can have access to our courage curriculum for kids, because I think it's a nice way to just sort of enhance all the work you're doing already on your own to build these wonderful values into your kids' lives. So I'll make sure that everybody listening gets that bent, just reminding at the end. Um, But that, that gave us a, a leg up because for Larry, he had now structure and he had some like very incredible discipline around how he wanted to teach certain things. So for him, it was about the fact, okay, I have this discipline and structure to fall back on, but really, I can be more goofy in the moment because I know I have the structure, if that makes sense. So we're, we're um, you know, the control was definitely a piece at the beginning before we did all the personal work that we've now done. I've noticed that if in one area, you can have control and structure for the kids, but just know that all the other pieces just get to be free flowing and enjoyment. That's what really helped helped Larry be like, okay, I can't be structured and disciplined all the time. I've got to have a plan just for me to be goofy. So that, that's what supported him a bit there.
0: I can't imagine Larry being goofy. Uh, that would be a YouTube video that should it's go viral.
1: Adorable. <laughs> it's pretty adorable. I know I will, I will see if I can get you a goofy <laughs> video of Larry, but I've seen it. I mean, we've done Nerf wars with the kids we've done like mud, mud pie playing. We're throwing mud at each other. I mean, the Larry that is behind the scenes, um, I think is the biggest teddy bear ever, but very rarely do people see it as they work with us. Then they'll see it for sure.
0: And the part that I I, I talk about a lot about military dads and Larry is a perfect example because he still lives it today is we have such an adventurous life from our time in the military. And if we can start incorporating that with our kids, like that just creates them to be more resilient, more looking forward, more risk-taking more less fearful about doing things that are unnatural because they did it with dad and dad's already done it. So that's, and that is something like if you can give your kid that depth of just taking risk and being a little bit adventurous, you can create someone that as steps into an adulthood that really knows who he is. And military dads often just leave that entire part flat. Like we don't tap into our adventure. We don't tap into all the places we've saw the, the countries, the culture, all that depth. We just leave off the table.
1: Oh, well, I think that's the thing that makes all the military dads so incredible. I mean, that's part of their power source, being able to do those adventures. I mean, I have a bunch of our friends who are in the military, and the more I see them adventuring with their kids, the more I'm like, that is such a gift. Think of all the dads that never do anything active with their kids. So I think it's an untapped resource for men. Like, maybe it, because, well, here's something that I've learned from working with Dan Zaner I've learned that when a man is able to be in nature doing an adventure, he is no longer up in his head. He's way down in his heart. And it makes men so attractive. It's literally a shift in energy that as a woman, when we see it, we're like, oh, we want that. I want that. And it just like draws you forward like this magnet. So I think if men knew that the, if the more they adventured and had that with their kids, the more the women watching them would see them in their hearts and would see that you know big kid that's still in them, the more we would want to be around them all the time. And the more, more, we would have to be more feminine because it would attract that.
0: And there's probably something that's even tribal related to it. Uh, cause I speak so often that for millennia men did life in tribes along with women. And it's only in the last 200 that we started doing it alone, but it's that sense of growth, sense of learning. It's a sense of he's out there leading yes. into the unknown, into the woods. And there's just something natural about a man in the woods cause it's part of our environment and it's where we all began. So I think there's probably something in our DNA that's awoken there as well.
1: And, you know, anytime that that masculine part is woken up, then almost always a woman can more easily step into her feminine, right? So that polarity, I think, honestly, I think the polarity is what most of us in relationship are missing these days because we've taken on so many different roles that we really have to push ourselves to be in. I know that for me as a woman, like I'm, you know, very highly organized, is now highly detail-oriented because I had to be, but it doesn't feel as natural as when I can just be like purely feminine and loving and nurturing and connecting. So I think that's something that as women, we get to really look at too and say, okay, how can we create the opportunity for these incredible men to be in their hearts, adventuring, and then have them come back to us in that same powerful masculine space and show them how much we appreciate and admire it. So let's set up a scenario. The
0: scenario is you have a military spouse who's married to a husband, they have three kids, two boys, one girl, and the spouse loves her her husband. And the husband is kind of in default off that he is going through the motions and his life is on autopilot and she, he, she can't get him to wake up. And what is the best way for her to serve? Because I think where a lot of men and women get it wrong we both try to fix it. And we both try to provide solutions, which we think is helping and we think it's loving, but it's not. What is the best way for a woman to unlock a man who is generally almost maybe closed off his heart, like stays in his head to provide, protect, and that's all he's really known and all he thinks he can do?
1: So that's, that's almost identical to the Experience that I was experiencing only. I only had two kids, <laughs> um, but I I can tell you what worked for us. And to be really upfront, Ben, it was it was a long time that we worked on this together, right? Because it's not something that's going to change right away. And so let me think back. So a couple of the things that were really important to Larry and I that we did, we actually wrote a contract for how we were going to have difficult conversations because we realized that. We couldn't have an important conversation with each other if he was on autopilot and I was trying to fix him. It just wasn't going to work. So, and this, hopefully this isn't too much for your audience, but what we would do is we would say, okay, if we're going to have a difficult conversation, the first day we have sex, the second day we have the conversation until literally we're done with it. We can say anything we want to say, ask any question we want to ask. And at the end of that day, when it hits midnight, we have sex again. Because from my perspective, the only way for a long time that I could get Larry to be in his heart or to be connected was to have a lot of sex with him. So that's what I did. Now, what I've learned over time is that that's an important piece, but there's also a piece around creating that area of complete safety for that man so that he doesn't have to be on autopilot. Doesn't mean you're going to fix it. All it is, is I've got to create a space where this man feels so safe and so loved and so nurtured that he can let down his guard a bit. And that was the be- beginning of getting him into his heart more so than anything else. But to be honest, like there are a couple of other things, tribe, you've got to get him around a group of men that are there for him, who have his back, because again, that's one of the biggest things they miss when they leave. It's that unstoppable team that's around them that, you know, is working to grow them at all times. So that was a big thing too. I always made sure he had adventure, something that he was doing at least, you know, every other day. So he could adventure me in his heart and made sure that there was a way for him to have a team or tribe around him for support. That wasn't me because I can't solve it all. And then we had this very specific way that we handled conflict so that we could always stay connected throughout the conflict.
0: Let me ask a follow-up question. So there's something that a friend told me, and I use it within my marriage, that you can't love someone and try to be right at the same time.
1: That is 100% true. 100% true.
0: So how did, uh, how did that work through when you're trying to work through something? Because oftentimes you're just your sense of personality to try to make a point or to get them to understand that trying to be right can get in the way. And then you switch from loving this person. And then instead, you're trying to prove that you're better than them, which is never where you're going to find common ground.
1: No, the trying to be right thing, it's for sure something we've experienced. And the biggest thing that we've learned in this This is like the secret that Larry and I wish we had learned a long time ago. It's going to sound really simple to everyone here, but here are the two best things. Okay. Number one, anytime Larry sees that I'm upset, what he has learned now is he doesn't try to fix it. He doesn't try to say anything about it. All he does is he comes over to me and he goes, one of two things, either tell me more about that or the The second is, I'm sorry, I hurt your feelings, even if he hasn't done anything in his mind to hurt my feelings, because Larry's very linear. And he he literally is like, how can I say I hurt your feelings if I didn't hurt your feelings? Because what I said was a fact, right? And I've seen this happen from a lot of our um, SEAL and military friends. And so now- all he does is when he sees I'm upset, he comes over, hugs me. So personal touch. And he'll say, tell me more about that. And he will literally just let me spew until I'm done. Or if I, if that doesn't work, he'll be like, I'm really sorry. I hurt your feelings. And he'll say it in this like crazy goofy way. He'll be like, I'm really sorry. I hurt your feelings. I'm really sorry. I hurt your feelings. And eventually I start laughing. And it shifts the whole dynamic around what works.
0: Is he saying it to get your feelings or to, to get you to laugh, like to get your energy in a different state? Or is he saying it in a way that somewhere in that story, whatever you're feeling, something is hurt and it is somehow related?
1: Yeah, it is definitely related. From my perspective as a woman, he has hurt my feelings. And I don't know exactly how, but I'm angry about it or I'm pissed about it or I'm annoyed by it. But I don't know how to say exactly what happened out loud. So we've just determined now that if I get upset about something that I think he's done or that I'm worried about, I'll be like, that hurt my feelings. And he'll come over and be like, I'm really sorry I hurt your feelings. And he'll like hug me. And then he's like, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. And like, it's one of those things that in the past he used to argue with me. We used to argue about it. We used to have to both be right. We wasted hours and days of our lives in that state. And now it's just so much better to have us both just say, I'm hurt. I'm hurt. Okay, let's talk about, like, let's just be in the hurt and feel it and love on it and then let it go. So we don't always figure out the exact plan in that moment, but those two things have saved us countless hours, countless time. And it's all about just giving up the attachment to the right.
0: Yeah. And it's I can imagine Navy as a Navy before. SEAL, the the ego that says you've done live life in a way that 0.0002% of the population they've even dreamed of, that there's just a world that you're like, I'm right. And there's not much you're going to do to convince. It. And I think a lot of just human nature leads towards being stubborn. Like that's almost a default. And it's probably almost getting worse. I'm not sure what's driving it, but I feel like more, maybe it's probably actually more and more people feel insignificant. And that right is actually a human desire to feel significant, even though they're not probably conscious of this choice. And it's always getting in the way of that love. Like you can't, like I said, you can't be love and be right at the same time. And that's even when, when a spouse comes home, I'm sure there's lots of like, this is the right way. This is the wrong way type conversations. Like that's not how you do the dishes. This is how you do the dishes. Well, both, neither is right. And you can't love one person or the other for doing it a different way.
1: And and the other thing too that I've discovered is them having this incredibly linear thinking brain that has to be right. Like I used to not be able to laugh about it, but now I do. Like when Larry and funny story, when Larry came in the other morning and I was making bacon for him because I know he absolutely loves bacon, so I'm making bacon and he comes in and he's like, "Hey, that's not going to work the right way." And I just looked at him like, "Oh, it's not." Like you know, I went right into feminine and I'm like, "Oh, I'm like, do you want to do it instead?" And he's like well, you have to redo it all. So he like redid it. And then I'm like, I just was dying laughing inside. because I'm like, if this helps him, I can be feminine in this moment to support him. So I've changed the way I own my own feminine, because I know when I'm in that place, he's happy. He doesn't have to be right. It all works out. So I have to not be attached to what something looks like or doing it the way I think it has to be done. And I think that's the other piece for many women who are listening is, you know, we got to decide what battles do we want to fight? Is it important that we get upset about how he does the bacon or how he wants us to like wash a dish? Like whenever he does silly things like that, that I now see as silly, I literally like grab him and I literally like pretend to like hump his leg a little bit. I'm like, you're so cute when you try to redo stuff that I've done. And he just looks at me like, woman, you're being crazy. And I'm like, but you love it. So we have a whole different dynamic now around when he wants to take something over, do it himself, whatever it may be. But I had to learn, how do I need to shift in this so that I get what I want and he gets what he wants?
0: Mm -hmm. Because when you help him feel secure in himself, that gives him the confidence to help you feel safe. Right. Which then allows you to stay in the feminine.
1: Beautiful dance. It's a beautiful dance. It takes work and energy, but... It feels so much better. Like there's probably 50% of feeling that military spouses are not allowing themselves to feel because they're so committed to being right or to getting something done.
0: So what is the correct way to cook bacon?
1: Well, you know, it's all about putting the bacon up on a specific type of rack and then making sure the rack is set a certain way and you have to use the right bacon, which now that I'm educated on that, I could do every morning. And now he just is like, this is perfect. He's like... Did you, you really paid attention. You listen. Is it in the oven
0: <laughs> bacon, I'd imagine? It's if you're talking about a wreck?
1: Yep. Because yep. I've heard that's the best, the best way to cook bacon. Oh, it's amazing. 350 degrees for 25 to 30 minutes. Beautiful.
0: All right. For anybody listening, that is the correct way to make bacon from a Navy SEAL, which I'm not sure why a Navy SEAL <laughs> knows the proper way to make bacon because it's not like you're making bacon out in the,
1: no, in the field or anything. about like two pounds of it. I mean, every other day. It's insane. We go through a lot of bacon.
0: I go through bacon <laughs> surges. And with my health kick, I've switched to turkey bacon. So I've been—that's—I've been, been binging turkey oh, bacon. Oh man,
1: that's tough, man. I'm. I know it, good. but I found, found a it. very
0: good brand that. So I've—I've I've flirted with lots of different turkey bacon, and it's all kind of unmiraculous, like you'd expect. But there's a brand at Aldi's. That's an uncured turkey bacon. So it doesn't have all the extra, uh, nitrites and stuff, but, and it's really good. Like, well, I wouldn't say it's really good compared to regular bacon, but.
1: And if I switch out his bacon with your turkey bacon, he's going to come find you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there goes the interview.
1: <laughs> that's great. Oh, oh man. <laughs> I'm, there's no way in hell I'm worry, going on his podcast. Now. <laughs> Don't worry. I've got your back. I've got and your if we
0: do back. have the interview, I won't talk about turkey bacon.
1: Smart man, smart man.
0: <laughs> yeah. No wonder him and Larry and him and Dan Zaner get along so well, because Dan has been really firing up his uh, homemade bacon. Uh...
1: Yes, I know. He sent us some of it to try to get Larry to identify how amazing this homemade bacon was. It was so cute. We Did loved it, work? it. I have not circled background on that yet, so I will. Now I have a new homework assignment.
0: <laughs> Follow up on the bacon. I know, right? So as you go through this process, you've and you've laid it out beautifully there... And I think a lot of military wives and dads are going to recognize that you can't focus on the right and the wrong. I'm trying to, there is, I think there's something there that we also get messed up on that it's the control aspect, I think is what I'm trying to say. Like the being right is part, part of control. And we kind of already talked a little bit about, but for yourself, for example, like what was it for you that wanted to be right? Like as a woman, what drives them to be right? What what part are you trying to to pick up on there or well, meet your own needs that maybe we could dissect a little bit?
1: Sure. Well, I, I can't comment for every woman, but I can comment for sure that my need to be right was completely tied to the resentment I felt towards Larry for not being there for me when I needed him to be there for me and for having to take on a role that I didn't really want to take on because I, you know, I think I made a choice early on in our relationship without fully knowing what I was getting into. And I always beat myself up about that much more. So like it was more internally directed than it was towards him, but it ended up being resentment that built over time. So my need to be right was completely based on my resentment of all the times he wasn't there for me or all the times that I felt like I had to do something alone. So I really had to let go of the past. That was a big thing for me. Um, We always, you know, as women, we tend to bring up things from the past that are linked to the hurt in the present. And, you know, that doesn't serve anyone. And we're so emotionally connected to how we wanted to feel back then and not realizing that you're in a moment right now where you can create whatever you want to create with this person. What do you most want? And that's where I had to slow myself way down and look at, okay, if all I want is to have this deep, deep intimacy with this person, I had to follow the formula for it and Larry had a formula you know because Larry knows like he's not good at some of those things so he had to create a formula for how he built connection with me so I'm willing to share it because I think it's it's simple it's beautiful and he's like anytime I was in a moment with Anne where I knew that that resentment was coming up or that she was stuck in the past he would literally look at how do I build more vulnerability how do I show more authenticity how do do I show that I trust her? And he and I both have used this specific formula for connection, authenticity plus vulnerability plus trust to reset ourselves in those moments where the past is just coming up like crazy. So he and I will both sit there and he's like, do you want to stay in the present with me or do you want to go into the past? And it sort of like shocks you out of where you're in. Like he verbally asked you that question? He verbally asked me that question do you want to stay? Do you want to be in the present with me right now? Or do you want to go into the past? Or do you want to stay in the past? And in the moment, it makes me like, it triggers anger because I'm like, oh, I can't believe I'm there again. So I get more angry at myself. But it's the shock of hearing him ask that, that allows me to be like, no, I really do want to be in the present. And then I'm like, we'll both say to each other, what's our formula for connection? Authenticity, vulnerability, and trust. And we'll use a very specific way of giving each. Other feedback on what we just experienced so that it takes all the um, conflict, it takes all the emotion out of it so we can just be present. So that's something that we've worked on, you know, for years. And and now we teach people because it's such a big, it's a big deal. You know, most of us bring the past forward and we don't need to.
0: Yeah. And I think there is something that it, it applies for kids and marriage that if we use bacon for example if you did pick a fight about the bacon and that became a heated argument like then you make the freaking bacon on yourself if you like like how dare you question something nice i'm doing for you it's a good example it's never about the bacon like if, if when never. you get upset in <laughs> the same thing for kids like it's never about whatever they bring you it's an emotion 10 feet behind them that they can't see or feel this is just the expression that they only understand how to bring it forward
1: right Right. And so we have, you have to decide as a couple that you're either going to stay in the past or you're going to move forward into the future. And you have to remind each other of it because sometimes you're so deep in it that you can't pull yourself out alone.
0: Mm -hmm. That, and that's huge because that's the crutch of military dads is we think we can do it alone. We don't realize we don't have the tribe and it's that continuing to to have the voice fed inside your head that I'm the only one having these thoughts. Like that voice is the one thing that's going to keep you further away. Right. And instead of engaging with your family.
1: 100%. And you know, the thing that Larry will always say to me is he like, you know, sometimes I'm so stuck in my head because I'm trying to figure out so many different things for the family. He's like the other piece that he wanted military dads to know. He had talked to me about this just before we get on the call. He's like, please tell these dads that, you know, in order for them to really move forward with intimacy and connection that they're craving and they really want more than anything, they've got to be willing to, you know, when their wife comes to them with a concern or an emotional, you know, thing that's coming up, they've got to be willing to set the stuff they're working on aside and give her that focused time. And so one of the things that I wanted me to mention that we do is when I come to them and I'm like, hey, I have this emotional trigger that's going on. I need to talk to you about it. He gets really scared. So, what he does is he's like, okay, let's go sit for five minutes. Let's just look in each other's eyes and hold each other's hands before we talk about it. Because he needs to be able to get out of that intellectual thought process that is so deep and into just the feeling of being there with me in that moment. So, we do that when we have to get him to shift to support me, and vice versa. Sometimes, when I, you know, when I need to support him. We'll do the same thing just because it's a good way to get into the heart quickly and to really see the other person.
0: And the part that I don't think people in acknowledge enough about the head is that's where the fight or fight response is hidden. So you could be sitting at work, doing deep work, writing great content or doing whatever it is that you do. You get interrupted by something that's a heart matter and by not disengaging the brain, you're sitting right next on the trigger. Like, and you're, and you could, the whole thing could explode because something could get triggered in your head and poof, you fly away or you, you stay in fight. And then you just create conflict instead of going back to your heart where that's really where that connection and that's where your actual strength comes from. There's a story that's really, I'll never forget watching these videos. So I took Tony Robbins ultimate relationship course last summer or last winter. And you'd watch these transformations on video and these couples would just, you'd like, there's no way that he can save these couples. I mean, they, they were very, like, very scornful in the beginning, like, just yelling it across the room. And they're on a different part of the conference room. And by the end of the conference, he pulled his magic off. And the, most, the complete only thing that he did was he just got the man to identify and step in to be fully present with all his thoughts, with all his energy, with whatever she needed to bring and like that's all it was like he they they would just stand there and just hear what she had to say and whatever was brought to them like the more wind or the stronger the wind got from the feminine the more love he would bring and like that's the only thing that can conquer that strong fear that she brings that strong insecurity and if you bring it with your intellect it's the wrong feeling like love through all of that because it's a giant test like are you going to run because of what i shared or are you going to stay present and right. the presence was the only thing, the only, only thing that would transfer, thing. transform those, those couples. And then they do the, the time afterwards. And the one couple that I really thought was, there's no way, the, the first thing she describes is they had better sex. Like it was, oh, was yeah. I, that was the very yeah. last thing that present. I would expect. <laughs> exactly. Like that presence and that energy. Yep. And the crazy part is on, they were on stage, this couple, and the, the, the husband says, the one thing I've never had is your heart. And that triggered the crap out of her because she's like, how have I never been in? I've given you all this stuff. I do all this stuff for you. And, and Tony defended the guy cause she misheard what he had said. And he's like, no, he really said he wants in your heart. He's never, you've never lived in there. And the worst case was her, she had a background where she was raped by her father. So like she had this huge trauma surrounding her heart and all it took was his strength to open up, heart because then it was safe and vulnerable and that's what allowed that connection to be there and before that he was running because it always seemed too scary and but then he realized he just needs to stand strong and i kind of take that and, and change it towards that like being masculine is kind of just being an oak tree in the middle of a hurricane and the only thing you can be is is love in that oak tree and you just got to weather the storm and like being there at the end of the storm like that's how you show love to your and style.
1: that's why i referenced before that tell me more right? Because you're just standing there like that tree, the wind swirling around you and you just say, tell me more until the wind dies down. So it's such a perfect, I love everything you're saying. And I think that's really been the big gap. Like who teaches about polarity for couples? You know, who t- teaches the masculine versus the feminine, what that dance looks like? They talk about now, that
0: opposites attract, the but then it stops right there.
1: <laughs> right, Right. I mean, this is literally something that, you know, Larry and I only over the last year have been really diving into because we realized there was a massive gap in the intimacy space because we had gotten to a place where there was no polarity. The masculine, the feminine, I was full on in masculine all the time. He was in masculine and he was trying to fight my masculine. So it's just interesting that I'm sure this happens in many other, you know, veteran or military relationships because of what we're asked to do and what we need to do when the man is off fighting for the country. But there is a solution for it. It just takes some work and some vulnerability, right? And connection and trust.
0: And there is something else we talk about that when a father has kind of two choices, either you lean into what scares you or you pull back. And often the PTSD, the trauma, the story, whatever it is that you feel, the the feeling you're not sharing because you don't you're so scared by it and you feel that it's going to scare them and maybe it comes out as scary and you feel like that hurts them. You pull back even further and like, I talk about like my two purposes to, to cancel out that voice inside of a dad's head that says that his life is better without them or their family is because like, that's what they feel like. They're a burden when they open up that pain, right. and they feel that, but that's the opposite of what you need to feel. And you either, your life goes bankrupt and you end up getting divorced and you don't even get to be a part of kids of your part life, or you go the other angle And you just think that you're too much of a burden and that ending your life, but all you really do in that case is pass the pain on in a way that they never understand how to heal from.
1: No, that's very true. And, you know, I know Larry used to tell me all the time, he's like, you know, I'd get so so caught in this story that I was telling myself that I was wrong and I was causing you pain and I was causing you misery. He's like that. I got so stuck in it that I couldn't see any of the positive or any of the benefit I was bringing to you. So one of the things he asked of me, which might serve the audience here is, he said, you know, if you can just always remember that my intention is always coming from a good place, even though the way it shows up might be shit. So that's one of the things that as a woman I've been, you know, I've struggled with over the years is my brain automatically went to, oh, he's doing this because he doesn't love me or he's doing this because he doesn't care for the family. But once I reset it to be, no, he, he's doing this because he loves me so much. He cares so much. He just doesn't know how to do this in a way that I, I want to feel it. So that's what really had to change for us. We had to be willing, or I had to be willing to say, everything he does for me and for this family comes from a beautiful, positive, loving place. And I had to change how I looked at everything in the story I was living in so that our stories could be real and not be made up, right? Because everyone has the story or perception that we live in. And until you really look at that and figure out, what is it? What am I telling myself? And then what do I want it to truly be? We all have to rewrite that story in some way.
0: And you bring up a point that I've talked about a little bit that I also get from Tony Robbins, this advice that like you're, you're, every time you feel something, whatever that triggers in your mind or whatever process confront comes from that is just the lens of your past. So whatever your past experience is, whatever attachment your, an event had to that same motion that's the only dictionary your brain has to interpret whatever that feeling is. Perfect. And in the military, your feelings kept you alive. They were part of your survival mechanisms when you were in fighting in war. But that same emotion is something that you have to learn how to feel. That's not something that's going to kill you. So you don't react in the same way, but your interpretation is the same. And same thing. If, if a woman has any types of uh, trauma or sexual or any type of trauma, there's different stories related to those feelings and you can be part of that story whether you realize it or not. And But you can't judge it. You have to just continue to love through it because like that's the one thing that a woman wants to know is that you're not going to leave with whatever they bring you.
1: And the thing that most women, I think, keep thinking and wanting is for the, the spouse or the person that they're in partnership with to love them enough that they can love themselves. But what I've noticed, especially for me, is I really needed to love on myself first Around these stories that I was in and be okay with them before I could even feel or receive any of the love that Larry was trying to give towards me. And I think that's also one of the things as women, we're not sometimes comfortable feeling the love. So, like our spouses, our partners could say something to us that for them took a lot of energy and focus, and we could just dismiss it because we're like, oh, it's not said the way we wanted it to be said. But now I'm really, I'm much more of a, um, I guess an archaeologist, I think of it that way, where I'm like, okay, I look at things that he says, I'm like, oh, like, think about the background, like how he would have had to structure this in his brain to even get these words out. So I really celebrate, you know, the smaller things that come out of Larry that he says to me that, you know, like, even if he just walks by and he's like, your bum looks good. I'm like, oh, thanks. You know, it's like something small like that, that probably took him a lot of energy to say, but you know, I hadn't realized how much went into that form before. So I think we all have the opportunity, whether we're a spouse or we're the the husband off fighting or vice versa to identify what in us is being triggered and love on that more so that we can love the other person more too and how they show up.
0: You hit something that is the guiding principle to what I'm going through for my doing my 75 hard challenge and going, growing through COVID-19 because it began in December when I watched the Tony Robbins course and I, I don't know how it came to this thought, but when I looked in the mirror, I always known this, but I never really was truthful about it. I didn't love the person looking back and I kind of just ignored it, that I worked on the inside, but the outside. And then every time I looked in the mirror, it was always triggering that poor dumb farm boy from Wisconsin that was never going to do anything. That was still the person on the outside. So every time someone would meet me with love, I would be disbelief because I don't see it when I see it in the mirror. I don't love everything that's happened, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And so you receive it wrong, or even the compliment about your butt not to say it like that, but if if you have a poor self image, you're going to be like, Oh man, how did he notice my bad butt? And, but like, he thinks it's attractive. So like this conflict of that love, like, and it's something I, you always hear that said like, Oh, you complete me or you're my better half. But like, I've kind of come to think that like marriage isn't something that's supposed to like complete you. It's something to enhance you. Like, if you can truly
1: force your growth yeah to it's to like gravy
0: you are the main bones. potatoes of your life but your marriage can be the gravy that makes it that much more delicious and but you have to fully love yourself because then you can give freely and you don't have to worry about outsourcing any of your like even the love languages can get like conflicting information if you don't do it right because Yes. You can't necessarily just keep loving someone that doesn't necessarily love themselves like that doesn't compute and you have a struggle receiving love, even if it's in the right language and it's never going to be enough. That's the other illusion when you outsource that feeling is no amount of it is going to be enough. And it's just going to build conflict or resentment that you're not getting it. are you've had it two times this week and last week you had it three and you're pissed because it happened three times last week. But if you have it on the inside, that's really where you can step into
1: it. And that's the only way that allows you to feel all the good feels too, right? And what I've realized over time is like, I used to always wonder and question, like, is this the right person for me? Like, are we supposed to be together with all the things that have gone on, all the hardships we've been through? And what I really realized about a couple of years ago, I read this book called Getting the Love That You Want. And it really changed the paradigm for me around how I looked at our relationship because like you said, I fully believe that two people find each other. And I know this sounds strange, but they find each other because the stories that they're telling each other and themselves are so completely linked. And that person is there to push you and challenge you and get you to work on the stuff that is your deepest wound that you're terrified to work on. But that's why you chose this person, because you know you're supposed to be working on these things. And the other person is going to keep pulling up triggers for you because they're there to help you do the work, the deepest work to give you the most out of this life. So when I looked at Larry and I and everything we've been through, I just began to realize, oh my God, from the beginning, he's been challenging me and forcing me it work on myself in ways that i never would have done alone but that's what's getting us to this really beautiful piece of our of our relationship i mean how many how many spouses can say like i'm in my 40s and, and this is the best that my relationship has been and it just gets better every year right that doesn't always happen
0: and without that pressure that you wouldn't have had the depth like can you imagine not having the depth to your soul that you now like it required oh, that pressure from Larry and the me. the pain oh, to dig I deeper wouldn't be
1: me. And that's one of the things as the spouse, like, look at all the things in the past in a different reframe, right? Look at each one and be like, oh my God, look what this gave me. Look what I got from this. Look how amazing I am now because of this. Like everything is such a gift if we can look at it that way. And then, you know, anything that happens in the moment with your spouse, stay in that moment. Don't go to the past because even though it's connected, it doesn't have to be. You choose to let it take over control and manage you. So that's so many amazing gifts and so many amazing lessons. I mean, I'm just so thrilled that, you know, I wish I had had a podcast like yours when Larry and I were starting out because it would have saved us so much on the conflict side. So I'm just really proud of you, Ben. This is incredible. And the information you're getting out is is awesome.
0: One of my favorite stories to mention is last November, I did a simple 20 minute episode that I considered simple on emotions. I I considered it level one, nothing deep, even before I had this definition of masculinity in my head. And a Vietnam veteran emailed me five paragraphs and said, if I would have had your podcast 30 years ago, I would have been a better dad. And that was just 20 minutes. And like, it's It's
1: emotional intelligence, right? The more the men that listen to you can do emotional intelligence work better, they're going to show up for the their families and for themselves.
0: One thing I like, I, I haven't figured out a way to make it a brand, but one thing I like kind of being is a Marine that yep. talks about emotions, that gives hugs and talks about feelings all together in the same sentence is the largest oxymoron that I've come into really in the military.
1: Feeling Marine because <laughs> everybody's like, it.
0: you're not the stereotypical Marine. I'm like, well, I'm going to shatter your definition of what you think a Marine yes. does.
1: Uh, I've met so many incredible Marines though. I mean, You know, some of the the military guys that Larry and I have been around have been the key people that have shifted our way of thinking about ourselves too, right? Like Larry used to always say, he's like, you know, I went to war and I was the god of war. He's like, and I came back from war and he's like, it's been a path towards finding my emotions. So now I can be just a man of feeling. That's what he's really identified with. Because he's like, when you're a god of war and you're that sometimes disassociated and you put all your emotions into that box, he's like, you're not going to get rid of that box. You're going to carry that box on your back until you're ready to unpack it. And when you're ready to unpack it, you got to make sure you have the right tools to support you as you do it. So I think you're giving people a lot of these great tools, Ben. And um, I'm just thrilled that the audience is here for you because it's an incredible gift. So, so much value.
0: There is something also that you brought up there that uh, comes from a, a tie-in from Andy Stump, who I interviewed in the beginning of the year, who's also Navy SEAL. And he said one shift that he had to do was as a Navy SEAL, his effectiveness was limited to the range of his rifle. And no matter how much he trained, that's how far the rifle, no matter how far the bullet still travel the exact same amount. But as he learned how to come home and connect with his kids, he realized his effectiveness as a father and husband was limitless and like generational. And like his story is a little bit tragic because him and his wife separated, but I still believe he had that same idea with his father or being a father that he can create generational change with his kids. And that effectiveness is literally measured in centuries. And, as Larry steps into his emotions and gives his kids these, this intellect, this depth, adventure, like that's central change there. That's not something that you have to train and go to buds to figure out. Like that's something that just keeps on going when you create amazing adults. Yeah.
1: That's so true. I mean, I've even seen big changes in our kids just from the time now and the presence that he brings to every interaction with them. One one of our little guys, he's five now, but you know he would almost never hug Larry. He just wouldn't. And then as soon as Larry started showing more emotion, he started hugging him. So it's just amazing to see like these little guys, all they want is that unconditional love. And the more that a man is willing to just be in his heart with them and feel it. And, you know, if it needs to be through adventure, it can be. That's the way that you get more of what you want in every aspect of life, for sure.
0: I agree. And it all ties into what's now cemented in my logo that at the end of the day, our family is our legacy, but you have to come home with all of your essence and your energy and emotion. And that becomes the help become the thread that creates a fabric that keeps on going throughout your life. And well past your life living here, you'll create something that continues to shape the world well on, well and beyond.
1: Very, very true. I love that. I love it. Well,
0: Well, Anne, I have loved this episode. Where can people go ahead and catch that courage for curriculum for kids that you offered there?
1: Yes. So let me, I'm just going to pull it up so that I get it right. I don't want my team to be upset at me if I get it wrong. So it should just be sealteamleaders.com, like Navy SEAL. So sealteamleaders.com backslash webinar. That will give them not only the webinar that we did around building courage um, in yourself and in others, but it also gives you all the courage curriculum. There's a team curriculum for you to use if you have a business team and there's a kids curriculum, a family one, if you want to use courage and build it within your family members.
0: Well, I appreciate that. And I will include a link of that in the show notes. So if you didn't catch it, I will go down there and click it. And is there, what, what's one parting piece of advice you want to gift wrapped and gift our audience here as we wrap up today?
1: Sure. Well, this might be a little long, but I was thinking about it today and I was like, well, what could I give to the men out there who are really looking to build more intimacy but need a more simple plan? Like if we're starting from scratch, right? So I wrote down the top six things that a man can do immediately every day just to get more intimacy and connection with his spouse. My 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 pencil is ready. All right, here we go. So these are simple, but this is where Larry and I started. So the first thing, send her a text in the morning that gives her words of affirmation about how beautiful she is. So it can be simple. It can just be like, you are such a beautiful goddess. I'm so happy to have you in my life. Something simple. Then number two, put a post-it on the fridge that says something about how much you appreciate her as a mother. Then the third thing, give her a text in the evening that has something to do with romance. So it could be something simple, like, I love the way your butt looks when you walk by me. Something like romance, a little bit sexy, something simple though. And then If you're not sure what to do to make her day better, do one thing that she always asks you to do, but you hate doing or you don't want to do. Like for me, I hate the trash. So when Larry wants to like really impact me, he'll take all the trash out of the house and then he'll come give me a hug and tell me he took out the trash, which makes me super happy. That's number four. So then number five, do the eye stare where you sit down with her for five minutes at the end of the day. You hold her hands and you stare in each other's eyes without saying anything. It is the most connecting, beautiful, Full experience, and then number six. Whenever she is upset, use these two phrases: "That tell me more," or "I'm sorry, I hurt your feelings," and really say nothing else. So you've got those six things that you can do that are simple, that are easy, that will always get you really great connection, intimacy, and it's it's a simple way to get started. If it sounds scary to be that intimate or emotionally connected.
0: I love that. And uh, it's simple. It's directional, which military dads like, we can follow directions (laughs) and doesn't take a whole lot of planning. You don't need a big planner. Uh, You don't need a $40 planner to remember this. And I'll include these six things down the show notes. That way you can uh, check them out and write them down yourself. Well, and that was perfect. That was a very good gift wrap to take it and bring it home for us. So, With that, is there any place that we can catch up with you? Is there best social to follow what you guys got going on?
1: Sure. You guys can check us out at SEALteamleaders.com. We're also on Facebook. So SEALteamleaders on Facebook. Thank you, Ben. I want to tell you first as an acknowledgement, thank you for everything you're doing in the world. I'm so proud of you. This is incredible information. I love watching you as you evolve with emotional intelligence. So keep doing that work and keep bringing it back to your audience. They're getting incredible gifts from you.
0: I appreciate that uh, gratitude. And I look forward to growing our friendship even more. Thank you for checking out this episode. I hope this episode touched you as deep as it did for me. I really enjoyed just re-listening to this episode, getting it ready for release. Some of my big takeaways were understanding how the role of masculinity and femininity play within a marriage and how we often talk about opposites attract and that often you can feel like maybe I was attracted to what I didn't need in my life, but I love this episode because it talked about how you actually attract exactly what you need, but you need to be vulnerable enough to enter into that journey, creating that safe space in your home. I loved how Anne talked about how they have a place where they both can go connect and re physically feel that love that they both need to feel and get out of their head and into their heart. I love the the random conversation we had about bacon. I'm a big bacon guy, so bacon was a very good, nice sidestep in here. Letting go of the past, that was something that really hit home to me, making sure that you understand the stories that are playing out and understanding, more importantly, what story is in your past that is playing out now that feels like the present but really, is just dressing itself up as a story. I talk about that a lot on the podcast. A couple episodes of Fatherhood Friday as well. I love the equations. She talks about authenticity plus vulnerability plus trust. That was super powerful to try to reframe a way to get through a very strong feeling or to get through a very strong storm that either of you are feeling. I love that formula. And those six things that she dropped at the end of your ma- marriage or at the end of the episode to help your marriage, those were just so simplistic. And we talked about a lot of heavy stuff in this podcast episode, but I really hope that that hit in a way that like, you know what? I can do that. And those were simple steps that you could do today to start really trying to be present in your marriage. We, I talk about that your wife needs needs to be the priority in your life. She needs to be more important than your kids, your job, every other aspect, because the commitment that you made to your wife is the one that goes to the end of time. And everything that you decide to do every day should revolve around that commitment. And I love those simple steps to make that happen because it can be overcomplicated in a man's brain, but the way she laid it out was something that every dad can do. And it begins with sending a simple text and you never know how those are going to go through. But that's the the most beautiful part of the whole process is just leaning into it, going with it, and with no expectations, just enjoying what comes out of it. So guys, I really appreciate you checking out this episode. I really appreciate you. I hope you've got some awesome stuff on tap for summer. I know that this summer is going to be a little bit tempered with COVID going on, but I still plan to do some epic shit in my life. And I'm going to make sure that I'm connected in a way that this is a summer that of one of just many more summers to begin. But this summer started a cascade in my life that being present as a dad, a stay at home dad, that this was a summer that it all started. So guys, make sure you have an amazing week. I hope you guys got this. And if you have any questions, if you ever need a friend, make sure you reach out. But at ben underscore colloy on Instagram. I'm always available. I'm always there to be the friend that I wish I had in my life five years ago. So guys, so with that, I'm signing off and I will talk to you guys again on Friday. And just as a teaser, I'm dropping the biggest takeaways from my journey on 75 hard.